So I was driving down the road on my way to Walmart, just thinking um, about things and some things that I'm struggling with right now. And I just wanted to put them on a recording and just keep it for myself for when I'm struggling with these things because I've kind of made a, an analogy that makes a lot of sense to me. So I was 213 pounds and I lost 80 pounds. So I'm 133 pounds now and I've decided I don't want to lose any more weight. Now, I recognize that just because I lost the weight and no longer want to lose more weight doesn't mean I'm done. I still have to maintain and make sure that I don't get back to a place where I'm unhappy. Well, I kind of made this connection with that maintenance for my physical health. Uh, It's important for me to maintain what I already have that's good and kind of work on some of the things that are not so good, but... In my social life, I have a similar issue. I have abandonment issues from when I was a child. My father left. Um, my mother was negligent emotionally and physically at one point uh, for a period of time. Not one point. It was a long period of time. And um, that developed in me in a way that I have this unhealthy attachment style where I want to attached to people. I don't want people to leave. Um, when a bond is broken, it really gets to me. I really put so much work into rebuilding that bond, even if I didn't break it, or even if breaking it was the right thing to do and the healthy thing to do for me. And I kind of made the connection that, and and I've been feeling like, um, I'm unable to create genuine connection and healthy social uh, connections with other people. And I kind of made the realization that I have people in my life that I have a genuine connection with, that I have a healthy uh, bond with. It's strong, not unbreakable. It's very strong, though, and it's there. Um, but I do this thing, much like in weight loss, it's like I, I, I have these bonds, and I'm like, okay, I have that now. I got the goal. I have this bond. I don't have to maintain it anymore because it just exists. It doesn't need any more work. I'm done. And then I hyperfixate on the broken or unhealthy bonds because those trigger that fear of rejection and 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 abandonment inside of me. And what I what I'm coming to the conclu- I'm co- I'm coming to the conclusion that the best thing for me to do w- is to work on maintaining the connections that I already have. And I know that sounds probably simple and stupid to some people, but the reality is once I have a connection, I feel like it's obligatory almost for the other person to be there and be in that. So when I go chasing a bond that, or an attachment um, that is unhealthy or damaged or irreparable, that, well, they're always there. There's the, they're already there. They don't, um, I don't have to keep working on that bond anymore. I just need to work on the ones that aren't, aren't strong, that aren't good, that aren't healthy, but I can't make it unhealthy, a bond with an unhealthy person, a healthy bond that doesn't work. I can't make a bond with a toxic person, non-toxic. That doesn't work. I need to really refocus on the bonds that I already have recenter myself within that 
support system that I've already built and make sure that I'm maintaining those bonds with communication. And even if I, because I struggle with, if somebody doesn't reach out to me, I won't reach out to them no matter how I'm feeling or I'll only reach out to them when I'm really struggling, but I never reach out to them to see if they're struggling. I never check on them either. And then I'm upset when no one reaches out to check on me. And that's not fair. It's not their job to maintain the bond. It is a mutual requirement for the bond to be maintained. I also have to put in maintenance. I can't um, have my car's body and engine falling apart and fix the engine and be mad when the body is still falling apart. Um, It can't be a one-sided work. And I think it's just really important for me to remember that I have healthy bonds that are strong but still need maintenance because you can't just take a bond for and take advantage of it of its existence and and come to the conclusion the assumption that without any work it'll stay there um and i really struggle with feeling lonely and alone and and of course i want romantic connection and 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 physical um but right now it's not really it's really important for me right now to make sure I can put the work into a relationship platonically and a familiar relationship before I can go that route because it's not going to be successful if I am under the impression that once the bond is there I no longer have to maintain it so I just really wanted to um Make sure I remember that when I'm having dark times and really wanting to reach out to people who maybe I broke the bond and was toxic to them. They broke the bond and and were toxic to me or were damaging to me or unhealthy for me or I was unhealthy for them in some way. And when I really want to reconnect with those people and rebuild those bonds, I need to remember that if I'm not putting the work into the healthy bonds, I can't, I can't, I, I, I can't generate new healthy connections if I'm not maintaining the ones that I already have and as much as we all want love and and touch and all of these things it is far more important for me to make sure that I have put in work into maintenance so I don't fall off the edge because as of right now I feel as though I have because I tried to build a connection with somebody that I'd not, I'm sure it was more, more so me that was the problem because I felt insecure in the, in the situation in the first place. And that was my own way of telling myself that I'm not going to ever feel safe in this situation. Even though that person didn't exactly directly slight me, it felt like it perceived or not, that didn't matter. What mattered is I didn't feel safe in the bond to begin with. I was unable to express my feelings that I had for that person because I did have feelings for that person. I still do care about that person, but I was unable to show that in a healthy way. I was just very standoffish and guarded all the time and not that it wasn't the other person didn't assist in generating those feelings and do things that did directly slight me over the process of worsening. But I care about that person and I never really did know how to say that or show that because I was too guarded and the the bond was just not able to be built on the foundation that was laid. And I think it's just really important to 
pull myself back, recenter, maintain some, go into some maintenance, do some maintenance on some things until I can really try to go back out there and try again. So I used to say that there's two different types of ways that people will talk about you behind your back. And after some thinking, um, I kind of realized that there's actually three. And this is just my theory, my opinion. Sorry, those are my neighbor's dogs. Uh, hi, Rosie. Um, but there's, there's three. Um, so there's, there's type one, which I think is the most common and normal and generally acceptable is venting. So every time my best friend does something little and stupid and annoying, I don't have to bring it up to her and cause a massive fight and confrontation about it, but I will maybe talk to my family about it and just tell them my opinion on certain behavior that really isn't my, isn't a problem, just a pet peeve type thing. So venting about little shit that you don't need to make a confrontation. Um, just kind of telling somebody that you know, you know you're being petty, so you just talk to your family. People that aren't going to judge that person based on the information you're giving, because they know it's just a little thing that annoys you, and it's not friendship altering or, or relationship altering. This goes for partners as well. We all have people that we have to vent to about the little stupid, sh stupid things that our, people in our lives do that get on our nerves. My family's really good at this because we will all talk about certain things, even within the family, um, vent about certain behaviors that we don't support, but we're not going to, um, like, develop a negative view of that person because of it. Because we all know we all make mistakes and we're aware we all do this for each other. Like, we all go to each other, talk about, vent about our little annoyances, and, um... It's just it's just a good way to maintain healthy healthy relationships, and not cause a mountain out of a mohel every time you have a problem with something somebody does. The second type of talking behind your back is this, somebody that's trying to maintain an image, and the best way for them to maintain them that image is to take the things you say about them, the negative things, or say to them the negative things that you say to them about yourself that you open up about, and they will tell other people to skew their view of who you are. They'll only tell you, tell them all, oh, you know, she used to do meth and heroin and she lost her kids. They don't tell you, tell, you know, the other part where you got your life together, you're about to graduate. They just leave that part out. They only tell the bad parts. And that's kind of like a, a self-centered, self-motivated thing. They're not necessarily making things up about you to skew the people's view about you. But they're only, they're, they're skewing it by omitting the truth. Um, and there is a third type. And all of us, this is the type that most people think when you say they're talking shit. This is what I, in my personal opinion, believe talking shit is. This is when people make things up. Completely make them up. Or take something like, Say I go on a date with someone and then find out they were dating my my sister at one point. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Okay, I'm not going to do that. I didn't know. They're, they're going to make up a whole story about how you were in a whole relationship with this person. You, you 
went behind your sister's back and make it out to be what it wasn't. They're skewing the truth with lies. They're adding adding things in there. Um, they make things up to skew people's view about you. And this is more of like a... Um, I feel like it's more of like a desperation um, deflection uh, where somebody has done you dirty so they have to make it look like that was a justifiable behavior so they make things up and they may actually believe, make themselves believe these things were true just to make themselves feel better about their own behavior. And they're telling people these lies to not to make themselves look like a better person necessarily, but specifically to avoid accountability. So I think those, and it's very important to be able to distinguish between those things because you can fight with everybody about how you were telling people I'm annoying and and I text you too much at random times and want all your attention. And that's something that might get on your nerves if it becomes a bigger problem. You can discuss it with that person, but it doesn't have to be like, my friend texts me at five o'clock in the morning and I get mad about it because I was sleeping and she's, she's like, where are you? Why aren't you answering my texts? And I'm like, man, she's so needy. Like text me at five in the morning. That's a one-time thing. I'm allowed to vent to my family about it. They're not going to judge her about it. They know, they know our relationship We're it's never going to be, stop being what it is. But so that's type one. That's the normal, healthy, uh, can be healthy. Um, as long as, as, as long as it doesn't become type two, which is trying to inflate your own image by only sharing negative experiences about your, your friend or partner, um, to make yourself look better in the situation. And then of course, type three is really, really dangerous. It's, it's dangerous. It can People do things like that and ruin people's lives, um, make up things about them. Um, think, for instance, you know, a woman saying a man assaulted her for no reason, seemingly no reason. Um, it's that desperation, attention-seeking thing, and it, it can ruin people's lives. So I just think it's really important to distinguish between the three different types of social behavior of people talking behind your back because it's going to happen. You just have to find out what level people are, what type of, of people you're dealing with. Pre, be prepared for all three. If someone's a type one, you know, they do the type one. They're close enough to you that you know their, their intentions are harmless. Um, they are going to be a part of your life Regardless, and they don't see the purpose of causing rifts between your relationship for petty little arguments. Type two, be very wary of having those type of people in your life. Only share with them things that you are not afraid to be public. Because they are the type of people that will tell anybody and everybody that listens everything bad about you, whether they know you or not. And then, of course, there's type three. Just avoid them at all costs. Don't feed into it. Don't don't try to fight to... Um, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, they're saying this, you can you know, be like, that's not true. Um, but don't don't make it a, a point to go out of your way to correct them or their, or their fantasy. Just don't feed into it. 
Just let, let, because anyone that's going to believe the things that they're saying about you without coming to you and asking you, you personally what happened, doesn't need to be in your life. That's, that's my, uh, chat for the day. Dear Diary, fuck. <sighs> okay, now that I got that out of the way, um, I really just need to talk. I need to, to just communicate, speak candidly somewhere where I feel safe and by myself is pretty safe, but at least it's going on record. So if anything crazy were to happen, people were now where I'm at in life, you know, or where I was in life. Um, so we've got good, bad, and ugly. So we're going to start with the good today because I want to start off on a positive note. The good news, the good, the good that's been happening with me is that I completed college. I have my final grade for my final course for my bachelor's in mathematics with a concentration in statistics. I got, um... An A in my last class, so I did go get a piercing Medusa to go and celebrate. Got to channel my inner Bailey Syrian, you know what I mean? So I got a little piercing. Um, that was a great experience. The piercer was fantastic. Um, and it's super cute. It doesn't hurt at all today. That was yesterday I got it. It doesn't hurt at all today. Um, I went on a, a nice little date with a friend, and that was kind of nice too. We just kind of went to a music festival and hung out and then went and played board games with his friends and it was a good time. Um, and I quit smoking cigarettes. I vape now. I'm down to three milligram nicotine, which is pretty low. Um, but still got a little bit of nicotine coming in. Um, not quite ready yet to just give it up, but I'm getting there. Um, and I still work from home. I just got a new car. My first ever brand new car. I've never bought a brand new car before. So that's an exciting experience for me. Um, I named it Noob. I'm trying to get a Noob Cybot decal to put on it. If you're maybe too young to know what that means. It's a character from a video game called Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Woo. I'm like exhausted today, but Mortal Kombat, Noob Cybot, my car's black, he's black, and my car's name's Noob, his name's Noob, just kind of works, um, he, and I said he's black, but like his outfit, not like his, anyway, whatever, it's a fucking video game, um, so let's see, anything else good going on, um, I get my kids back, both of them will be home next weekend, I'm super excited about that. And by that I mean, you know, my son went to his dad's for the summer. And my daughter's at her grandparents right now. I'm going to go pick her up today in a little bit. And then I get to go pick up my son next week. I'm just super excited. I miss the hell out of him. Um, so that's really good. Um, and the final piece of good news will lead us right into the bad. Um, I, I've been really struggling with mental health, so I actually made multiple attempts to reach out and see a psychiatrist for some, perhaps, medication and therapy, um, just to get a professional, like, a, an analysis to determine what I need and where to go from there. Um, I want to be in a place where they are able to prescribe medication if that's what I need, 
um, but they can just recommend therapy if that's really all I, they think I need, that's fine. I just really want to have both options available and open. The bad news is I've reached out multiple times. As I said, the first two times I was told, sorry, we're not accepting new patients or we're not accepting new patients with your insurance um, for those services. Um, and then also I was... I reached out to one place, I did my full intake, got my insurance card information, everything, and said they'll call me back in 48 hours, 24 to 48 hours. That was on Wednesday. It is now Sunday. Of course, they're close Saturday and Sunday, but I didn't hear anything Thursday or Friday, so it's not looking too good. Um, I cried because it takes a lot for me to get into a position where I really reach out for help and try to get help professional help because in my past experience with psychiatrists and therapists it's not been a very good positive experience so typically I just self-medicate and don't even ask for help but I really 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 didn't like where I was headed so I tried to reach out for help and got shut down and it was really it's been really hard on me it's the most difficult thing to say hey I need help and be told sorry can't help you so with that I also want to just confess my little little confessional here is that I relapsed now I didn't do um if anybody knows me personally that's hearing this for any fucking reason I um I didn't do like the shit I used to do I wasn't shooting heroin shooting masks didn't do heroin or meth at all. I did do some coke with my ex one night. A lot of coke, but I just still don't like coke. I think it's so boring and a waste of money. I had so much coke just to be high for one day. It was ridiculous. Anyway, I've been drinking. And I know it's not heroin, meth, coke. Um, but it's still a drug. Like, let's not, let's not tiptoe around it. It's still using um, and self-medicating. I know that. I don't drink every day, but I do drink... I drink it. The fact that I drink it all is not good. Um, and I'm not happy with that. But my anxiety has been so bad, it's waking me up in the middle of the night. I can't sleep through the night anymore. I can't um, function, really. I'm angry all the time, anxious all the time. I literally will lose things. I put my fucking vape down at the mall. And then the other day, I put my new vape in the fucking fridge. I couldn't find it for hours. I was so angry and so frustrated. I put it in the drawer. I just am so in my head that I'm not aware of the moment. And I'm trying to be more mindful. I really am. It's it's really hard. I'm triggered all the time. I I try to be social. I try to make friends. I'm not good at that. Not good with people. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel safe. I just want to hide. I just want to isolate all the time. And this is where I feel safest is out of the way and invisible. And it's really sad to me. Um... I just think it's really important to note that, you know, I didn't get here to this point 
over one, like, bad thing. Like, see, the problem is, like, I was in talk therapy for a year and I got absolutely nothing out of it. It was court ordered, whatever. That's fine because I was court recommended therapy when I was 12 years old after, you know, my abuse case um, went to court and um, the abuser was remanded and, and, and found guilty. Um, they were, you know, they recommended that I get some therapy because, you know, you'd be, you're sexually abused for four years. You probably need to talk to somebody about that, but I never got that. So I went to talk therapy for a year. And, and the thing is when you've been self-medicating, you know, they're like, oh, you're a drug addict, but I'm like this miracle, like, um, good outcome to them because I had no problem putting the drugs down because the reality is I don't have a drug problem I have untreated mental illness problems and trauma I've just all this trauma for years and years and years that's just been building and building and I numb it and run away from it and i was like, okay, let me address it and talk therapy. And they're like, wow, you don't do drugs anymore. So you've got this. Um, my talk therapist, I mean, and I'm not saying she's a bad therapist or anything, but she would just be like, you should be a motivational speaker. You're amazing for all that you've been through. You've overcome so much and you've done so much. Like, yeah, I can do everything in my power to be successful and, um, you know, be all these be a mom and a good worker and but I'm not okay and but that doesn't matter because I'm not doing not you know I'm not a menace to society anymore you know what I mean like the the problem with the um stigma around drug abuse is that most people like you generally know that nobody wants to be you abuse drugs all the time nobody wants to stick a fucking needle in their arm like come on um, but it stems, most, most people know that it stems from some deeper issues that need addressed. Well, the problem is once you do get that recovery, they're like, oh, you're cured. Nobody wants to do the aftercare. Nobody wants to help after, um, you know, once you fix it within the eyes of the court, then you're okay now, but you're not. You don't get extra therapy. You don't get, um, and I have, I have fucking health insurance. I paid $424 a month for health insurance and I can't find a fucking therapist, a psychiatrist to evaluate me for one visit. Not even a single visit. I can't even get one. And people wonder why there's so many lost people in this fucking society that is just... <sighs> anyway. So that's the bad. Um, and ugly, I guess, too. Um, I've... I've deleted all the... Uh, most of my social media apps now. Um, I deleted Facebook, Twitter... Instagram, Snapchat, I have Facebook Messenger, Discord, and TikTok, which I don't really go on very much anymore. Um, 
but yeah i'm in i'm in a bad a bad way um I got a little drunk the other night and my kids were gone and it was just me and um i I'd be lying if I said I didn't consider you know just being done and giving up for good but I just went to sleep and woke up the next day and just went about life like nothing even happened. Like it doesn't keep happening because it does. That's why I don't like the fact that I'm drinking because if I drink too much, it's going to happen. But I'm just really worried um, because the second, my second choice, if I don't, I don't want to be hospitalized. I'm so afraid to even talk to anyone now. I've been trying really hard to do the right thing and go the right route, but it's not working. So I just really wanted to talk and put this out there uh, or down somewhere and just admit to where I'm at, you know, be real with somebody or nobody really, but just be honest. And say what I had to say, get it off my chest, kind of thing. Um, <sighs> I do feel a little bit better, um, but yeah, I just, I really hope it doesn't get darker, you know. <laughs>